Hey, good morning. Pastor Caleb here. Welcome to Shelby Bible Church. We're so glad that you're joining us live today. It's awesome that we can gather together, though we can't person, we can gather online to worship together and to hear teaching from the Word of God. I just want to remind you of the ways that you can connect, grow, and serve during this time. If you go to our church website, shellybc.org, at the very top, there's a tab called Facebook Live. If you click that, it will give you all of the different times that we're going to be streaming during the week, and it will also give you access to the videos that have already been done. So we just want to encourage you to continue to connect and continue to grow by using those resources. A few announcements for you this morning, too. The first is that the ladies' ministry is going to be hosting a, an event for mothers the day before Mother's Day. And if you go to our church website, go to our sign-ups tab, there will be information there for you, and then you can also sign up to be a part of that event. Uh, one last announcement, we are going to be having uh, the live stream for the kids again this afternoon at 2 p.m. Miss Susie Montgomery is going to be recording, she's going to be the one teaching, and so make sure you bring your kids and make sure you come around and enjoy that time of teaching. Also on the website under the kids tab there are activities and there are other things that you can use to help reinforce the lesson being taught today. Hey, we're so glad you joined us this morning and we hope that you're encouraged in your time with us today. morning uh, through the Facebook Live, and I uh, hope you're doing well there at home, and we're looking forward to a great service today, and uh, wishing we could be together, praying for that day to come soon. Join me in a word of prayer as we begin this morning. Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to gather through the medium that you've given us this morning, uh, where we thank you that the Word of God is still powerful and is still alive to meet the needs of our people, and Lord, we pray, Father, that as we sing and lift up your name this morning, that those that are discouraged this morning will be encouraged. Those that are struggling this morning would find sure footing in your word. And Lord, as the word of God is preached this morning, give us clarity of thought. Lord, I pray, Father, that it would minister to the hearts of the people. Uh, Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Lord, thank you for bringing us together this morning as we worship you. And it's in the precious name of Jesus we ask it all. Amen. God bless you. Mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our brain. 
and the glory, the victory, and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. the stone was food for good, for the lamb had come. 
Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God.
your power at work in me i'm broken gracefully i'm strong when i am weak i will be free your power at work in me i'm broken gracefully i'm strong when i am weak i will be beautiful song and what a reminder you know if you've in your walk with the Lord we've all been at that place where we can stand before the God and say our heart is broken and we are yielded to you completely and we can truly say I surrender and uh, what a joy it is to know a God who deals with us in our frailty and allows us to have those moments of surrender and yieldedness to him well, as we sit here again in our seventh Sunday, uh, one more time on the live stream, and uh, we're looking at the next few weeks ahead of us uh, in still this same order. And as we think through this, I've asked you uh, earlier this week in a letter and then uh, mentioned, I think, on Wednesday night to you that uh, the deacons and I will be meeting on Tuesday night of this week, and uh, we've been talking a good long time about uh, what it would look like to reopen the church and how we should do that in a prudent and a wise manner. And we just ask you to prayerfully consider uh, with us about that and pray for us that God would give us wisdom and direction as we walk through that. Um, it is hard, I think, at this time to kind of think ahead. What does what the next month look like? What does the next two months look like? And then what is the future of the church? And all of those things uh, are hard to see right now uh, because we are limited in our scope. Uh, but God is not limited in His scope. And God is not limited in his ability to see the future. And God is leading on. And in light of that, we want to put before you one of our missionary uh, that were with us a few weeks ago. And they were able to come in. Brother Nath was able to be here with him and his daughter and shared the work they're doing with core missions. And uh, they're partnering with foreign missionaries. And he's going to be going to Chile, uh, Lord willing, in the near future. And partnering with our missionary, Jason Holt, to labor there in church planning and training men for church planning. And uh, I'm very excited about the ministry the Bills are doing. And so uh, the deacons and I voted to prayerfully consider taking them for, on for support. And what we do is we, we bring their name up, we, we decide to consider them for support, and then we spend about a month in prayer over that. Uh, we pray individually, and then we come back together and vote on whether or not to take them on for support. And so I just ask you to pray with us as we pray about partnering with this team and I know that um, uh, you will pray for us, that God would give us direction and guidance. I just wanted to give you a brief update from them. They sent us a video just to kind of give us an update of what's going on in their mission and their work uh, during this time uh, that they've had to be kind of stuck at home as well. And so let's hear from the Beals this morning. This will give you a reminder of who they are and what God's called them to do as well. Hello, Pastor Mike and everyone there at Shelby Bible Church. This is Missionary Nate Beal. It's been just a really a short time since we were there at your church. It seems like a lifetime ago at this point. But just want to let you know, especially there in Michigan, as I know you're 
been hard hit with the coronavirus, let you know that we're thinking of you and praying for you and uh, hoping the best for you. Uh, just also wanted to take a few moments of your time to give you a recap of what's been going on in our life. Hi, it's Tara, and I just wanted to give you a quick update on all of our kiddos. We've got Adeline here, who is six months old now, and uh, she is trying to go and move, and she absolutely loves playing with her brother and sister. Hi. Um, and then we have Hudson, Say hi, right Hudson. here. Hudson Say hi. Boy Pie, there we go. Hudson is 19 months old, and... Uh, loves antagonizing his sister, so that's fun, don't you, buddy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then our oldest, Taylor, is four and a half, and uh, she asked if she could sing a song for you today. So, Taylor, you want to sing? Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Like a diamond in the sky. Twinkle Twinkle Little Star to tune on Jesus Loves Me. We they think we got a little confused. But uh, anyhow, we hope you all are enjoying um, your time at home. Get to spend some time with your children. It's a little crazy with the quarantine, but we are trying to find good in the crazy. So anyhow, that's a little bit of an update from our family to yours. Well, as you can see, life is exciting for us right now. Uh, we actually recently arrived back home in Cincinnati. We had been on the East Coast for about a month. And we were going to be out there for close to another month before we came back to the Midwest for some meetings. Uh, unfortunately, many of those have had to begin to cancel or reschedule. And so we are here trying to uh, prepare our home to be sold and kind of laying the groundwork for us to leave for uh, Chile uh, for planning this summer. Our plans were to leave this summer. We actually just hit 90% of our support. Uh, we're not exactly sure where that's going to land uh, once uh, this all kind of settles down. Uh, but we're trusting that God knows what's going on, that God sees us, and uh, we can rest and trust uh, in His promises for us. I wanted to share a couple of verses with you that have been an encouragement to me, and hopefully will be an encouragement to you. Psalms 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? And then one of my favorite passages of scripture, Psalms 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I know this can be easily a fearful time for us. And I was looking at verse 3. Let us exalt the name together. Exalting the name of God. I know many of us are not able to gather corporately with our churches as a local body because of this virus, but I want to encourage you during this time, whether it be online or um, in, in, in whatever avenue is available for you to connect with people in your church, your brothers and sisters in Christ, we need each other desperately uh, during times like this. Hope that you'll stay connected to your church during this time. I know we are doing our best to stay connected with our church and supporters, and please pray for us if you would. We uh, have had a lot of meetings rescheduled, obviously, because a lot of churches are not are, are, are holding services online because of this virus, and we are praying that there will be a swift end to it, and that we'll be able to get back on the road and raise whatever remaining support that we need to do. Uh, our plans are to leave for Chile this summer, and so we are working towards that end still, and praying that uh, God would allow us to raise the rest of the support that we need. Thank you so much for your faithful support. It really does mean the world to us, especially during a time like this. And I want to also encourage you to hopefully pray 
for your missionaries that are on the field. Um, we who are on deputation, obviously there's financial stresses that happen because we're not on the road and, um, and there's a lot that goes into that. But for those on the field, that many of whom may already be in dangerous places and may not be able to leave uh, right now and may not have access to uh, food that they would normally have or supplies, please pray for them that God would continue keeping their support faithful and strong during this time of unrest and uncertainty in many churches, and that God would protect them. We love you so much, and we can't wait to hopefully see you again soon. And thank you uh, for taking the time to watch that video with us this morning, and I hope you will pray for the Beals and pray for uh, the pastors and the deacons as we prayerfully consider adding them to our missions team and uh, asking God just to give us guidance there. And so I wanted to continue with you just to remind you of uh, a little bit of an update on what's going on uh, with our cameras. As we said to you last week, um, <clears throat> we, we feel like we're going to need to continue to live stream uh, into the future, and it's going to be a continued part of the ministries of Shelby Bible Church. And to do that effectively, uh, we're going to need to purchase some equipment. And uh, we have currently raised just around $1,400 for that has come in over the last seven days. And I want to thank those of you that have given and uh, if you've mailed money into the church or sent that online uh, since the middle of last week, that may not be recorded yet, but we appreciate those of you that have given already, and we greatly appreciate that. Let me encourage you, if you have not already asked the Lord how you can participate in this, let me ask you to give uh, toward this project. Uh, we need to raise about $4,000 to get this put in, and I know it'll be a blessing to the church and the uh, better improvement of, the, of what we have right now. Thankful for what we've been able to do and looking forward to continuing this ministry into the future as well. Uh, and then let me also remind you to continue to give as you have faithfully done over the last seven weeks. You can do that online or also mailing in uh, your offering or you can also text to give and you can see that in the announcement slide earlier. And so those are the options you have and let me encourage you to continue to do that. And we appreciate God's faithfulness. Uh, we're also thankful for the faithful men who and ladies that labor with us. And uh, during this time, of course, uh, we've been doing a Wednesday night Bible study, and then my wife and Miss Becky have been doing a Thursday night Bible study for the ladies, and both of those have been well attended. And uh, we, our deacons have been meeting and talking about what needs to be happening. We've had trustees coming and doing work around the building to get things ready going forward. Uh, the staff has been laboring at home. All of this has been going on. So many faithful people uh, doing what needs to be done and what we can do at this time. And uh, we just want to hear a greeting uh, from another one of our deacons this morning as they try to encourage you and give a little update of what's going on with their family. Let's hear from the Barnetts this morning. Hello, Shelby family from the Barnetts. We're alive. Um, we're going to give you just a little update about how we've been doing. Um, like many of you, we've been a little stressed here. Um, Becky's become a, a teacher and a coach. Uh, kids have been missing practice, so we still do Zoom practices and everything for soccer. And um, we do a lot of homework now. Becky loves teaching them. She loves homeschooling. And um, <laughs> I've been able to work still. So um, my life has not changed too much, but we still seem to be very busy. You know, they have a lot of work, um, and I think it's good for them uh, to keep up on their work. Um, some, some blessings that we've seen from, that I've seen from this time is we've had a lot more time together. We haven't been rushing around, rushing from practice to practice. Um, we've had a lot of more meals together. Easter was um, 
interesting. It was different. I think we'll remember that, I think, for the rest of our lives. You know, we had Easter service at home and um, Easter dinner here. It was a good time. Um, some of the encouraging things I'd say, um, I've really enjoyed slowing down a little bit with the kids um, and just uh, being able to spend time with them and being forced to be together. And technology is great. Um, we're able to do this, and the kids are still able to stay connected. Um, and a couple of books that we just started going through. I have them right here. College and Career, we've been looking at Anxious for Nothing. And we just did one class, just getting into it. And then Sunday nights, we started doing Be Joyful. And these books have been really great. Um, and in Matthew 6, we see a lot about uh, Jesus talking about worry and some of the dangers of worry and how it uh, encompasses us. And just during this time, if I could say anything to encourage you, I, I can say that I know things could be worse. Um, you know, we see a lot of news. I think, you know, things can be worse. And, and we know God is not a God of circumstance. And we need to, you know, pray a lot, uh, keep maintaining our faith knowing that we'll get through this. And then the Be Joyful book, my mind keeps going back to uh, Paul in, his, in Philippians and how he was quarantined, he was chained to the guard, and how he had joy through that because he knew he had opportunity. So I hope that we continue to find opportunity with our families and this unprecedented time of togetherness. And uh, we just want to say we love you, and we'll be back together soon. Thank you so much from the Barnetts, and uh, we're going to continue with the service here in just a moment. We have a special that's going to play, and then after that, we'll come and share the message. So, oh, she did. No, I wanted to go ahead and play it.
child's done wrong, left everything behind. Daddy's getting tired, his faith is fading. You can't get water from a well that's running dry. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter number 19 this morning. 1 Kings chapter number 19, and uh, we're going to read several verses out of this chapter today, and uh, the plan right now is to conclude this series, uh, Faith Through the Famine, and as we begin to read, we're going to read uh, verse 1 of this chapter, and we're going to read down through verse number 9 for our text this morning. And uh, as we begin to read, if you want to join me in standing, you can do so. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number one. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah. And left his servant there. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now. Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink, and laid him down again. 
And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and nights unto, the, unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto the cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Let's pray together. Father, we ask you to add your blessing to the reading of the word of God this morning. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would do a work through the preaching of your word this morning, that you would stir our hearts, do what only you can do. And what I pray, Father, as we open the text together today, that, Lord, it would not be man's words, but your words that are heard, and that your Son would be magnified through it all. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. As we continue into the service today, we approach this text here to kind of round out the story of the famine in Elijah's life. And we approach a subject of discouragement, some would even argue depression that Elijah is going through. Depression is not a new thing, though we hear much of it today. And I think there can be some good in recognizing the need for those that are in depression to get help. I think it's important that we address it in a right way. And I think the Bible gives us a balanced approach to addressing depression. I think it's uh, an interesting thing to also remember that we are not the first generation to face depression or discouragement. Matter of fact, one of the most famous preachers of all time, Charles Spurgeon, he lived from 1834 to 1892, and Spurgeon frequently and many times in his ministry was plunged into severe depression. Uh, there were many reasons for this. Some of these were physical. He suffered physically in a very strong way. And I think it's often uh, interesting how quickly we forget that we are both body and soul. And we can almost disconnect what's happening to the body from how our soul feels. And understanding and reminding ourselves of the Christian worldview that both the body and the soul are connected and they affect one another. But Spurgeon, he suffered many great days of depression. In his biography, The Prince of Preachers, it was written of him, what he suffered in those times of darkness we may not know. And here's the quote that he said. He said, there are dungeons beneath the castles of despair. And only the way that Spurgeon could write it. He says, there are dungeons beneath the castle of despair. And how his soul would sink down into that great depression. In a more... Uh, Closer to home story, something we would always remember uh, is a Midwestern lawyer who suffered from such deep depressions that his friends would keep all sharp objects away from him. He questions his life's calling and whether or not he should continue on the path he was in multiple times. During this time, he wrote these words, I am now the most miserable man living. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. I'm awfully forebode, I shall not. But somehow and somewhere, he did come out, and Abraham Lincoln encouraged himself and became, of course, the president of the United States at a later date. Many have faced depression, and I do not think it's something that we should take lightly, and I do not think the Scripture takes it lightly. Uh, as we look at this, though, I think there is a double-edged sword to it, both a physical and a spiritual thing that should be considered. And so let's look at the context of our text this morning and then see if we can't draw some instruction from our text. I'm going to break down our lesson this morning into four sections as we walk through this narrative. We'll see, first off, a turn of events. 
a time of despair, a lesson in worship, and then a hopeful word. And we'll take those four sections and break them down as we walk through our narrative this morning. We've just come through three and a half years of famine, and you've walked through that with me over the last several weeks. We've seen the brook Cherith meeting the needs of the prophet. We've seen the widow's house and the little bit of uh, the handful of meal and the little bit of oil supplying their need through the family. We've seen God raise the son back from the dead and give life where there was death. And we've seen a showdown between Baal and God. And we've seen fire come from heaven. And just recently, the execution of 400 prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Baal are executed on the authority of Elijah's commission as they had violated the law of God and were worthy of this death. And now all of this has taken place. All of this has happened. And then God sends rain at the prayer of Elijah. God tells him he will send the rain, and Elijah prays for rain. And God pours down a rain upon them, and, it, and the land is now being replenished with this rain that has come, and the famine or the drought is over. But then we see Elijah in this turn of events, what takes place. We see the victory is followed by Jezebel putting a price on his head. I think it's interesting to note that Jezebel was not on Mount Carmel. She was not there to see the working of God, but she had stayed back in Samaria. And when the word comes to her, and, and the Bible tells us that Ahab told Jezebel, um, I, every time I read the story of Ahab and Jezebel, I have so little respect for Ahab. Um, he is not willing to fight his own battles. He's not willing to stand up and be counted. And he just follows along beside, not as a king, but he follows along beside, not leading God's people where they should go, but simply following what he's told. And here in this account, again, he follows what is told, and in his wife, she gets angry, and no doubt great disdain comes over her toward all those who are involved. My prophets are now dead. Uh, Baal has been put to the worse by this crazy man, Elijah. It is interesting to me that she's very upset about these prophets who have died, and yet she did not have any concern about all that had been sacrificed as children in the name of Baal. It's interesting to see that when we are worshiping a false god or we have a false worship, not only are we focused wrong, but we think wrong. Uh, not only are we worshiping wrong, but uh, the whole order of things is backwards. And here she can rejoice in the sacrificing of firstborn children in order to bring rain from Baal. And yet she is grieving over the death of the men who sacrificed the children. And it's a backwards understanding. Elijah runs. He takes off. And the Bible tells us in verse number two, and when Jezebel sent this in verse number three, and when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. He takes off and runs for his life. Now, this is an interesting thing. We find Elijah hiding himself earlier in chapter 17, but he did so at the word of the Lord. We find him going to the widow's house, but he did so at the word of the Lord. We find him walking him into the palace, but he did so at the word of the Lord. We find him even confronting Ahab and the prophets of Baal, but he does so at the word of the Lord. But for the first time in our, all of our texts, we find Elijah making a move that was without God's leading. There was no instruction from God for him to run. There was no encouragement for him to go anywhere else, and yet Elijah picks up and runs. 
And let me just challenge us that no matter the fear, no matter the trouble, do not make decisions rashly that would cause you to act before you've sought the mind of God. Slow down and seek God's mind. You know, as a young man, as a teenager, one of the verses that were given to us in our youth group over and over again, and, and aptly so, I mean, a right verse for a young man, 16, 17, 18 years of age to consider, is Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 6, and some of you could quote it with me, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. But I would submit to you this morning, church, that that's not just good for a teenage young man, that's good for every person of every age at every time. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Elijah, no doubt, cannot escape some blame for the condition he finds himself in later. Nor than you and I can find ourselves in a moment of discouragement that we've created because we did not choose to follow God's plan or wait for his word. You see, when we face tomorrow's trials, it will not be the fruit of tomorrow's trials that will sustain us, but it will be his leading that sustains us. When we come to the place of discouragement, can we look back and say, God has led us to this place? Has God led you to the place you're in? I find marriages, when they get to a place of discouragement or frustration or maybe that trial of marriage has come upon them and they feel overwhelmed by it, if we're not careful, in those moments of rough times, we quickly say, well, it must not be God's will. And we want to throw out the responsibility of the marriage very quickly and run to something else as if that will be the answer. Let me just remind you again to retrace your steps and see how the Lord has led you to where you are. And if the word of God confirms that where you are is his will, and if the word of God has led you to where you are, then stay where you are and let God be faithful and let him show himself faithful. I can't tell you when the rain's going to come. I can't tell you when the cloud is going to lift. I cannot tell you when the heart is going to feel joy again, but I can tell you that it is right to stay where God has placed us. It is right to stay faithful even in the midst of the trial. I wish I could say to you that all of our ministry for the last 20 years has been all just sunshine and roses and there's never been tears and there's never been heartaches, but I can tell you there have been great nights of great discouragement and great fear and wondering what was going to happen. And there have been times of overwhelmingness that would make you want to bolt and run. But let me encourage you, let me challenge you just to stay. For in the staying, God shows himself faithful. In the faithfulness of that moment, God reveals himself to be who he is. Someone wrote of discouragement. They said discouragement is dissatisfaction with the past, a distaste for the present, and a distrust of the future. It is ingratitude for the blessings of yesterday. It is indifference for the opportunities of today, and it's insecurity regarding strength for tomorrow. It is unawareness of the presence of beauty. It's an unconcern for the needs of our fellow man and an unbelief in the promises of old. Discouragement is impatience with time, immaturity of thought, and impoliteness to God. William Ward wrote those. And no doubt that is the case. And no doubt Elijah is going to bear some responsibility for the place of discouragement that he finds himself in. But I think this is more than discouragement that faces Elijah. It is more than just a temporary setback, but I believe he's facing a time of depression. Elijah has now run from Jezebel. He's run into the wilderness. He leaves his servant behind. 
And now in this wilderness, he finds himself alone. I think there's a lesson there that could be had that isolation is not good for the discouraged. I tell you how many times I've talked to people and said, Pastor, I'm just really having a hard time right now. I can't be around people. And always my advice is that's exactly where you need to be. You need to be around the people of God. And as was admonished us earlier today, I remind you again that even though we find ourselves physically distanced, do not stay there in your discouragement. Pick up the phone and call somebody this week. And be willing to humble yourself and say, hey, I'm going through a valley. I've got a broom tree I've been sitting under. I need to talk to somebody. And you can find the encouragement in brothers and sisters in Christ around you. I think Elijah not only had discouragement, but he was in a time of depression. We see isolation. What else is describing this? Thoughts of death. I'm just ready to die. Take my life. No food or appetite for food. He finds himself isolated, alone, without food, not wanting to be around anyone else, and thinking of dying. Discouragement now has seeded into a depression. He leaves his servant behind and goes on alone. He prays that God would kill him and let him die. Some have pointed out, then why didn't he just stay near Jezebel? She would have taken care of it for him. Uh, And she was ready to do that. And yet he flees for his life. And now is saying, God, I'm just not, I just can't do it. I'm noticing here in uh, verse, uh, let's see here, verse number uh, four of our text. And he said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. I think that's an interesting phrase, it is enough. He's just, okay, I've had enough, I'm done. You know, I, I, I went to Ahab, I sat by the brook, I ate from the ravens, I went to the widow's house, I, I stood before Ahab again, uh, I raised the boy from the dead by God's grace, and now I find myself in front of Baal's prophets, and don't take out the fact that he executed 450 men here. All of these things weighed on Elijah, heavy upon him, and he said it is enough. And I think oftentimes we can start taking account of what we've done in the past and we can look at what we've accomplished. Well, I've taught this class for so many years or I've raised these children for so long or we've been in this marriage this long and we've had this fight over and over again and we've gone down this valley how many times and how many more times do we have to go down this valley and we just want to throw up our hands and say, it's enough, I'm done. I I don't want to do this anymore. God, just take my life. He is definitely in a place of great depression. The question, no doubt, plagues his mind, what good have I actually accomplished? And how many times have we said that ourselves? What am I actually accomplishing? What what have I actually done that's worth anything? I feel so empty and so, so just futile in all of my efforts. It's enough. I'm done. I'm so glad that God's prescription was not a scolding for Elijah. He doesn't scold Elijah here. He doesn't come alongside of him and say, hey, what's your deal, man? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know I'm the God that sent fire down from heaven? Don't you know I'm the God that's in charge? And it's always interesting that God knows exactly how to minister to his people exactly where they are. When Martha was struggling with her labors, Jesus looks at her and just simply says, Martha, Martha. Just a calming and a right response. 
When Mary is wondering where they've laid the body of her Lord and Jesus meets her in the tomb, what is the response? It's just the calm speaking of her name, Mary. And here God, in his graciousness to his servants, comes to Elijah, and what does he prescribe? Rest and food. This is what you need, Elijah. You need to take some rest, and you need to have something to eat. I think it's so interesting that God has been, chronolo- uh, chronologically, we see God uh, providing for Elijah's daily bread. And really, it's a story that God is the God of daily bread. All the way back at the beginning of this, what do we see God doing? Go by the brook and the ravens will feed you. Go to the widow's house and there they'll feed you. I'll send rain. And now he flees into the wilderness and God still sends him bread. Look if you would, and I'm looking here in the text here. In uh, verse number five, and the Bible says, and he lay down and slept under a juniper tree. And behold, then the angel touched him and said unto him, arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water in his head. And he did eat and drink and laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. Twice the angel wakes him. Twice the angel fixes food for him. We're not told exactly how long of a time that Elijah slept, but I imagine it was a good long sleep. I imagine he was an uh, an exhausted prophet laying there with his body torn, his mind uh, in torment, and he lays and rests. Body and soul, as I mentioned earlier, are connected, and the condition of the body affects the soul, and the condition of the soul affects the body. You see, God provided by the brook, and he provided at the widow's house, but God had led him to the brook, and God had led him to the widow's house. God had not led him to the wilderness. God had not led him to this place under the juniper tree. God's will was not for him to be here. But aren't you glad that even when we've been unfaithful, he still provides? That even when we've done what we should not do, God is still faithful to come in and prepare a banquet and put it before him and feed him and replenish his soul. What a savior that would be so tender to feed his servant. The picture here is so warming to my soul to know that even when I have wandered away, still he doth love me wherever I stray. And back to his dear loving arms would I flee when I remember that Jesus loves me. I think of Jonah. Jonah, he ran from the Lord. He, not only did he not wait for God's leading, he rebelled against God's leading and went his own way and he took a ship going to Tarshish. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. And then the Bible says that when he ended up in the whale's belly, the Bible says out of affliction, he cried unto the Lord. And God heard him. What a God to provide even in our sinfulness, even in our running from him. Depression and discouragement are not a one-dimensional problem, but both physical and spiritual. Let me just challenge you this morning that if you find yourself in depression, you find yourself in discouragement, walk carefully with counsel. Walk carefully and patiently with counsel through those times of depression and discouragement. But let me say this to you, walk through it. Walk through it. Take the step. Take the step and just walk through it. I don't know how many times I've heard a reference to this song over the last few months. But this song was put out in the second uh, edition of Frozen. 
And I'm not joking with you, on three different occasions, I've heard a pastor quote the lines from this song in a Zoom meeting. And the line is just simply, do the next right thing. And the song, I don't know the song, and I wouldn't venture to try to sing it for you by any means, but the concept is it's dark, and we don't know what to do. And we don't know what to do, and it seems like everything has forsaken us. And the word is simply just take the next step to do the next right thing. And here Elijah finds himself discouraged, and what's the next right thing? Sleep and get something to eat. I love this phrase here at the end of our uh, verse we just read, and I, I stopped here on purpose, but in verse number seven, he says to him, arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. What an admission. The, the angel is saying to him, hey, you aren't strong enough for this. You don't have the strength to handle this. And I think so often, if we're not careful, we never come to the grips of our own weakness. But the first step is seeing our own weakness. We can't stop there. We can't say, you know what, I'm just not strong enough to do this, so I'm done raising these kids. I'm just not strong enough to do this, so I'm done pastoring this church or teaching this class. No, I understand I'm not strong enough to do this, but I have a supply that is outside of me. Something that supplies me and gives me strength. And so what Elijah desperately needed and what we need in moments of discouragement is not a pity party, but we need a lesson in worship. And that's where we come to the next portion of the text here where Elijah is going to get a lesson in worship. The opening here is the question. And he comes to the end of this in verse number 8. He says, he arose and ate and did drink and went in the strength of the meat 40 days and 40 nights. And in verse number 9, and he came thither to the cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, what doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? It's a question. And, and I think it's a question that Elijah knew he wasn't supposed to be there, and yet the question hangs in the air. You know, how probing are questions to our conscience? Someone this said that that statements or accusations steal the resolve, but questions prick the conscience. Questions tend to get underneath the surface. The little boy coming down wanting to go outside and play, and the question from mom is, did you clean your room? And it pricks the moment. Did you eat one of those cookies? And it pricks, or maybe for us adults, Excuse me, sir, do you know how fast you were driving? And it pricks the conscience. It gets down beneath it. I think of our Lord was the master of answering the problem with a question, wasn't he? Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Can you imagine the conviction that Peter must have felt when the Lord spoke that question? Paul, why are you persecuting me? And the question dug deep. Adam, where art thou? See, the question was not asked because God didn't know where Adam was. The question was asked is because God wanted Adam to know where he was. Cain, where is your brother? And time and time again, the convicting hand of God, the, the teaching hand of God is just a question. You know, I find that Christians generally know the right thing to do. We know what's right to do. The question is, do we have the courage to move on in spite of our fears? Elijah's response, and I 
hear these passages when I read them with tones. And we can't know the tone because we're not there in the moment. But when I read it, the tones kind of come alive. And, and, and pardon me if I impose my reading on it a bit here. But I see Elijah coming off in verse number 10 now. And I, this is how I kind of see him reading it. I, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant and thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. I, I see him still feeling very sorry for himself, very overwhelmed and very self-congratulatory with what he's done. And three times in the text he says, I, I, I. We can always tell that when I is coming before that we have a I problem, a selfish problem. So what does God tell him to do in verse number 11? And he said, go forth and stand upon the mountain or the mount before the Lord. I think that's an interesting phrase. He says, go stand before the Lord. Do you remember back in, I, in chapter 17 when we began this? When Elijah said, he said, I am Elijah the prophet. He said, the Lord God before whom I stand. That's how he identified himself. The one who stood before the Lord. The one who sought God's face. The one who stood in front of him. And what is God patiently instructing him to do? He's saying, Elijah, what are you doing here? He's probing the conscience. And then he's reminding him of his source. Go stand before the Lord. And Elijah goes out and he stands there before the Lord. This is a commission of hope to Elijah. It's an encouragement. It is before the Lord that we will set things right. It's before the Lord that our hearts can be humbled. It's before the Lord that we see that the journey is too great for us, but it's not too great for him. So Elijah goes and he stands before the Lord and we see a demonstration of God's power God sends the wind, it tears the mountains, he sends an earthquake and the ground trembles, he sends a fire and things are consumed. The image here is of a great storm blowing about and the earth shaking and lightning bolts striking the ground and the Bible says, but God was not in the wind and God was not in the earthquake and God was not in the fire. But I love this, he says, but then a still Small voice, verse 12, after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still, small voice. A whisper, if you please. A silent, quiet moment after all the commotion fills the valley, and then there is a whisper from God. You see, it was this same still small voice that sent him on his journey to Ahab in the first place. It was this same small voice that sustained him by the brook. It was that same small voice that led him to the widow's house. It was the same small voice that raised the child back to life. It was the same small voice that sent him to confront Baal. It was the same small voice that sent him into prayer to send rain. And it is still the small voice of God that sustains him in the present. It's the moments that we spend in the presence of God that sustains sustains us. See, we must follow still fellowship with God and his word and seek his leading. When doubt arises, when doubt comes in, we cannot test God's will by the circumstances we find ourselves in. 
It doesn't work that way. You can't say, well, I believe God led us to this place, but there's no fruit here, so it must not be God's will. That's not the way we measure God's will. We measure God's will not by the circumstances, be it fruitful or unfruitful, but we measure the will of God by the word of God. It is God's word that led us here. Fruit or famine are no evidence of God's leaving, but walking today in his word confirms his leaving. So then we see a repeat of the question. What doest thou here, Elijah? And now if I could insert my tone again, I see him kind of kicking the dirt when he responds on this one a little bit. He's kind of like, well, um, I've, I've, I've been real zealous for the Lord of hosts and for the children of Israel. I mean, they forsook your covenants and they threw down your altar and slain the prophets and I, I'm, I'm the only one left and they want to kill me. Yeah, everything's changed now. But aren't you glad that God's not done with Elijah? I want you to see a hopeful word. He gives him three things. He gives him a work to do. He gives him fellowship of faithful men. And he gives him a partner in the work. Elijah, your work's not done. I want you to go. I want you to anoint two kings. I want you to anoint a new prophet. There's 7,000 that haven't bowed a knee to Baal. There's 7,000 that have stayed faithful. They said, I want you to go find Elijah and I want you to train him for the work. Let me just give you a thought here. If you want to be encouraged when you find yourself discouraged, go tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. Go try to bring somebody else along and you'll be surprised the encouragement that comes. See, when the Lord of the Lord comes to us, we can be thankful that even though maybe our decisions have led us to a place of discouragement, that God is still faithful to us in the discouragement. I'm glad the word of the Lord came to Elijah the second time. The word of the Lord came to him again, and he heard God's leading, and now he follows God's leading. You know, what a Savior that comes to us in our brokenness, comes to us in our weakness. And even though the world around us is in famine, he hides us in the cleft of the rock. He sustains us not with the spectacular, but with the still, small voice. I challenge you this morning, hear his voice. Humble your heart to hear it. He's a wonderful, wonderful Savior. The songwriter Fanny Crosby, not a person who was, uh, she was very aware of suffering. Blind. Songwriter. The loss of a child. All of these things were true of her, short, of her life, but she wrote these words, a wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord, a wonderful Savior is, me, is He. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of His love and covers me there with his hand. Let me say this morning, if you find yourself discouraged, yea, even depressed, let me encourage you to run and stand before him today and let God speak in the still small voice to begin to minister to your heart. Father, we thank you for your word. or thank you for the journey you have placed us on. 
Or may we have hearts that are tender toward those that are struggling. May we have eyes to see those who are needing prayer and needing encouragement. And Father, may we run to your word and trust you to be faithful, even in the midst of our valleys. Lord, I'm so glad that even when I have chosen to walk away, you are still faithful to come and minister to our need. What a Savior. What a Savior. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask it all. Amen.
Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, it's so good to come to you this way. Looking forward to gathering with you again on Wednesday night. Let me ask you to continue to pray with us, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.